Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 55. Anyone remember that? That was from back in the day. That's some internet silliness, weirdness, and we somehow decided it was hilarious and, and rolled with. But more importantly, uh, this episode 55 has a really fun guest. It's Michael Bungay-Stanier, and it was just a really good time for me because he sort of turned the tables. He was irreverent. We had a, a lot of laughs along the way, and so it's just a fun conversation. I hope you get to share in the funness of it. So you're going to learn one, why being a coach at work is a lot quicker and easier than you might think. Two, how to give less advice while getting more results. And three, seven powerful questions for transforming your team. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep55. So here's a bit about Michael. His bio and his press section of the website was so fun. I'm going to indulge a few more words for the sake of the laws. Here's the scoop. Michael Bungay-Stanier is the founder and senior partner of Box of Crayons, a company that helps people and organizations all over the world do less good work and more great work. Box of Crayons is best known for its coaching programs that give busy managers the tools to coach in 10 minutes or less. Michael left Australia 25 years ago to be a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University, where his only significant achievement was falling in love with a Canadian, which is why he now lives in Toronto, having spent time in London and Boston. He's written a number of books. His latest, The Coaching Habit, has been praised as one of the few business books that actually make people laugh out loud. The book he's proudest of is End Malaria, a collection of essays on great work from leading thinkers that raised $400,000 for Malaria No More. Michael was the first Canadian coach of the year, Pretty good for an Australian. He was recently named the number two coaching guru in the world, which caught him by surprise, as he's not entirely sure why. Balancing out these moments of success, Michael was banned from his high school graduation for, quote, the balloon incident, was sued by one of his law school lecturers for defamation, and his first published piece of writing was a Mills and Boone short story called The Mail Delivery. Mail is spelled M-A-L-E for you verbally here. So with that said, here's Michael. Michael, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. I am thrilled to be here. I am looking forward to finding out how to be awesome at your job. So lead on. <laughs> oh, thank you. Your book, The Coaching Habit, could you give us a, a quick snapshot for what's it all about and, and why is a coaching as a habit actually kind of counterintuitive? Well, it's about helping busy people be a little bit more coach-like in the way that they work so that they can work less hard and have more impact. So, you know, coaching is one of those words that everybody's heard of. It gets bandied around a lot. Nobody's actually entirely sure what it means unless you're actually a coach. And in fact, everybody, there's about 8 million different definitions of what right. coaching is. So here's what it is fundamentally, I think. It really helps you have a better life if you can stay curious just a little bit longer and if you can rush to advice giving and action just a little bit slower. Mm. If I had to have picked an ideal reader when I was writing it, it was kind of like, look, I'm a busy manager. I like my job. I'm trying to do my best for my team, for myself, for my company. I'm working really hard. I'm a little bit exhausted, a little bit overwhelmed isn't there a better way of doing this? And I'm mm. like, you know what? There is. It's about building some habits 
so that you can stay curious at it longer. And in the book, we've tried to make it as simple as possible for folks who said, look, if you have these seven essential questions, you're going to really lift your game as a manager, as a leader, as a human being. Wow. Well, that sounds, that sounds powerful. And we heard earlier in episode 37 with Professor Marquardt about how questions are, are fantastically powerful. And, and, mm-hmm. and so often you're wasting an opportunity if you make a statement when you could be asking a question. Right. Well, I think that's exactly it. Now, there's nothing, there's, I'm not trying to say never give anybody advice ever again. <laughs> I am saying, though, that your advice isn't nearly as good as you think it is. Oh. <laughs> and, even, and even if it is good, people aren't really listening to it as much as you think they might be. And what's well, interesting, just on a, I mean, this is just on a neurological level, like uh, just brain science. You know, you can throw people in a brain scanner, an fMRI scanner and, this is a, a simplification, but essentially, if you give somebody advice, the electrical activity in their brain just doesn't actually change that much. It mm-hmm. kind of just keeps humming along. If you ask a good question that creates one of those aha moments, you can kind of see the new neural pathways being formed, the new neural connections being strengthened. So asking a good question literally changes people's potential, literally increases their potential by creating more brain connections. Oh, that's exciting. And I, and I can feel it. I can imagine why that would show up on an fMRI machine because mm-hmm. it, if you ask, sometimes the podcast guests turn the tables on me a, a little every once in a while. And it's like, oh man, I'm thinking a lot harder now because right. I've already done my pre-thinking like in advance of the interview. It's like, I already of know course. the things I kind of want to cover. And so when someone asks me a question, like, oh, well, and, and it really gets me lit up, I guess, mentally. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'll be experimenting with that as we carry on for the you know, next half an hour. Okay, my put me on the spot. To, my goal is to turn the tables on you as often as possible. <laughs> well, you know, I welcome it. I, that's the great thing with the edit button. It's like if, if, I, <laughs> if I look like a total moron, well, that part's not going to make it unless it's instructive. You know, it's a sacrificial gift. <laughs> I like your style. It, well, so, so tell us, you mentioned that it's for busy managers and often you don't have a whole lot of time. Mm-hmm. And, and so you think that often these conversations can take 10 minutes or less. Right. Well, look, here's what the research tells us is that even people who are kind of, inc- there, there are some people who go, look, I don't want anything to do with this whole coaching thing. It sounds weird and HRE and touchy feely and kind of pastel colored. And, you know, I'm not <laughs> that type of person. And, I've got a different answer for them. But for the folks who are inclined towards coaching, who go, you know what, that could be good. The biggest barrier, we've done some research about this at Box of Crayons, but there's plenty of other research out there. And I just don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people say that when you go, you need to coach your people, they think that involves pulling into a room, blocking out half an hour, being coach-like. You know, I've got to coach you and you've got to be coached by me. It's a slightly weird, slightly awkward <laughs> conversation on both parts. And then they're like, okay, good. We can go back to being normal for the next month until our next coaching session. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Let's blow that up. So the, what we teach in the book and in our programs are this. We're not trying to turn you into a coach. We want you to be more coach-like. Mm. Secondly, we're not trying to add to what you already do because you're busy enough. What we want to do is transform what you currently do so it becomes more coach-like. Because every interaction and intervention with somebody else, you have the opportunity to be more coach-like, meaning you stay curious a bit longer and you move to action and advice a little bit slower. Mm. And then this final piece is you, you can do it fast. And in fact, you kind of have to do it quickly because honestly, you're too busy with all the other stuff to be able to go, I'm, we're going to spend 45 minutes on this conversation every time. Right. 
Well, that's powerful. Okay, so so it can be done quickly. If you're managing somebody or collaborating with somebody and you haven't done any sorts of this kind of coaching question thing before, is there any kind of intro or preamble that you want to put on it or you just kind of jump uh, right into it with like the kickstart question, as you've called something? Yeah, well, the kickstart question is the number one question in the book, the first question in the book. And it's there because it's like, this is a really useful way of starting most conversations. All right. Honestly, a big part of what this is about, Pete, is like getting everybody just to calm down about this whole idea of coaching. Because everybody right. gets a bit uptight about it. Like, oh, I'm coaching somebody. What does that mean? How do we do this? And, you know, it's like, it's just having a few good questions in your back pocket and using them more often than you're currently doing. All right. So don't get too uptight about it. Just relax. And here's what the kickstart question is. It's a simple question that kind of opens up the conversation but provides some focus as well and the question is this what's on your mind hey pete good to see you. i'm glad we're here for our, our regular podcast <laughs> you know our regular meeting you know what's on your mind today or where should we start or what should we look at first all of those are great questions because they're questions so that they kind of they put the onus back on the other person to do the work to do the thinking to have the aha moment but you're not saying, so tell me stuff. You're saying, hmm. tell me stuff that matters. Talk to me about something that is important. Let's go to the thing that you're thinking about or worrying about or concerned about. And hmm. it immediately provides a little more focus and direction than most kind of kickoff conversations have. Oh, that's great. And, and I'll tell you, since you said you turned the tables, what I'm thinking about is, will we be able to get all of the best stuff in the minutes we have remaining in this conversation? Well, I hope not. <laughs> if, we, if we give them all the best stuff, well, where's the, where's the incentive to then go and check out what else is out there? So our goal is to tease them with some of the best stuff whilst making veiled illusions about how much other great stuff is out there. If only they grabbed hold of a copy of the book, maybe from the library or maybe from a download on the website or if you're really pushed to it, maybe even buying a copy. Oh, that's fun. I'm so, so transparent. <laughs> it's, it's subtle. I don't do subtle very well. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Well, so then feel free to plead the fifth. Uh, if any of these questions are, are, are too potent for too, you. Too, if it reveals too much. Okay. <laughs> so well, well, talk to us a little bit about staying on track with the awe question. If there's only one thing you remember from this podcast, it should be this all question. But if there's only one thing you remember mm. from this podcast, you're just not trying hard. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> but let, let me tell you what the all question is, because it's the number two question in the book. And we make I make this kind of bold claim that's the best coaching question in the world. All right. So, you know, everybody listen to this I'm podcast. strapped in. <laughs> Everyone's leaning in. The pen is poised over paper or whatever. And what I love about it is called the or question because it's actually an acronym for okay. the three words in the question. So A-W-E. And the question is simply this, and what else? Boom. Well, here's the thing. You say boom, most people go, huh, is that it? <laughs> is that all you got? How is <laughs> and what else the best coaching question in the world? Because, you know, honestly, even as I say it, I can feel this kind of slight ripple of anticlimax. <laughs> ripping out from your various listeners to this podcast feed. So let me tell people why I think AWE and what else is as powerful as it is. The first is this key insight. The first answer somebody gives you to a question is never their only answer, and it's rarely their best answer. Second mm. is it's a really powerful self-management tool. Because remember our goal here, stay curious a little bit longer, rush to advice and action, 
just a little bit slower. So I, for instance, go to you, hey, Pete, what's on your mind? And you go, what's on my mind is how do I get the best stuff out in this mm -hmm. podcast? And there's part of me that immediately goes, well, let me tell you, I've got some ideas about how you could do that. I think you, know <laughs> you should ask this question first. You should ask this question second. You should interrupt me if I'm talking. To <laughs> you know, I'm like, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of me tw twitching to give you the answer. Twitching, good word. I'm trying to resist that to actually, we call it be lazy. That's one of our key principles. Be lazy, be curious, be often thinking about coaching. So if I'm trying to be lazy and to stay curious, I might go, okay, so that's on your mind. What else? What else is on your mind? And you can see what that does is it immediately passes the ball back to you. It's like, oh, I get that. So I had to make the good stuff happen in, in the podcast. But what else? What else is on your mind? And now you're back doing the work. You're doing the thinking. And I get to stay curious. So that's the two kind of the double power of and what else. It discovers more. It, un, it kind of squeezes more out mm -hmm. of the first question that you've asked. And secondly, it helps you stay curious longer. Oh, I like that a lot. And I find myself saying, tell me more a lot, which is related to and what else. But I think and what else kind of means give me an additional topic as opposed to tell me more is a little bit like go into more depth about the current topic. Yeah. And I tell you why I say tell me more, less rather than more often. Okay. Because one of the things that we're trying to do, and I'll say it again, stay curious longer, rush to action and advice a little bit slower. Often, not always, but often when people are saying, tell me more, what they're saying is, give me more detail about what's going on so I can come up with a better solution for you and tell you what to do. I see. So one of the questions you need to ask yourself when you ask that question, tell me more, is who does this really serve? Does this serve them or does it serve me? And what else typically serves them because you're helping them uncover more of what's going on for them in response to that first question, whatever it might be. Tell me more often is designed to serve you. It's like give me more information so I can then tell you what to do. So you just need to check your intentions there. It's like, who does this really serve? Tell me more. Does that really serve them or is it really about trying to make me feel better? Mm. Okay, thank you. I will be working on that a little bit. And I hear you. I think it really does go both ways as I reflect on my own experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's just like, I genuinely want to understand where you're coming from. Tell me right. more. As yeah. opposed to, I don't have the facts I require yet to optimize. Tell me right. more. Right. Two very different flavors. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting coached myself. I'm much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know what you were letting yourself in for when you we signed up for this. Well, so I'm just going to keep going down this pathway. It's working for me, asking about your capitalized question names. What's the lazy question all about? Yeah, so the lazy question, I mean, you heard me say before that one of our key principles, we've got three when it comes to helping busy managers coach in 10 minutes or less. And the principles are be lazy, be curious, be often. And so this lazy question is really important. And... The goal is, and I'm starting to repeat myself, but, you know, repetition is, is the secret to learning. Mm -hmm. The goal is to stop the rush into advice giving and action. And we are all advice giving maniacs. I mean, we love to give advice. People, people don't even know how much they want to give advice. <laughs> they don't even know what the problem is, but they got some initial thoughts on how they could <laughs> tackle it. So we're trying to slow that down. And the lazy question, it's going to sound a bit paradoxical because when I tell you what it is, it won't even sound like it's being that lazy. But the lazy question is this, how can I help 
or a kind of slightly blunter version of it is, what do you want from me? <laughs> How can I help or what do you want from me? And lots of people, when they hear that for the first time, they say to themselves, that sounds like the opposite of laziness. That sounds like you're asking for a whole lot more work. Mm-hmm. But here's what it's doing. It's disrupting the normal pattern of behavior, which is as soon as you hear something, your brain fills with advice. You're like, okay, I've stopped listening really. I'm just waiting for them to shut up so I can give them the advice. Or I'm waiting for them to shut up so I can start the intervention because I've already decided what they need and I'm going to start doing it to them or for them or whatever. Mm. How can I help or what do you want from me? What that does is it doesn't allow you to make an assumption as to what it is that they want. It forces them to make a clearer, more direct request for what they want. So you go, blah, 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 Michael, blah, 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 blah. Like, how do I find, how do I get the good stuff out in this podcast? And I'm like, that's a great question. Ah, oh. <laughs> So I understand what you're up against, Pete, but let me ask you this. How can I help here? Or what do you want from me? And, you know, you may go, so brainstorm with me, have some ideas. I'm like, sure, I could do that. Or you could go, I need nothing. I just needed to kind of vent for a little bit about how frustrating it is that this particular guest just goes on, <laughs> on and on, doesn't add any real value at all. There's no good stuff yet. You know, it could, you could have different needs. I'm like, okay, good. Well, it sounds like you've vented. Let's move on. So that's the lazy question. How can I help or what do you want from me? Mm. Oh, that's great. And so you're saying in practice – the lazy question more often results in people saying, oh, I need this very little thing from you or I need absolutely nothing from you than it does. I'm so glad you asked. I have a, a three hour task that I think you'd just be perfect for. Well, it just makes explicit what the other person is really hoping for. Mm. And what's nice about it is that you get to say yes or no <laughs> or maybe, you know, or not this, but I could do that to the response. So if you go... So, Michael, I'd like you to send me a 20-page document listing all the good stuff you intend to cover in this podcast. I go, okay, I hear you. I'm not going to be able to do that, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. What else would be useful? What else would you want? And so I get to say no to that request, but you get to ask it. I get to say yes, no, or maybe, and that's the real power of that, that. If you don't understand that you have the power to say, well, sorry, I can't do that, then that question can really trip you up. Oh, that's golden. Well, I'm just going to keep on going here. Tell me about the yeah. strategic question. Right. So, you know, what is strategy? Well, there's a thousand different definitions for what strategy is. But one of the ones I really love is this. It's what are you going to say no to so that you can decide to say yes to something full-heartedly, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely with a real sense of commitment? Because in some ways what strategy is, it's saying no to the stuff that you kind of want to say yes to. Because strategy is making choices. It's about going, where do we choose to focus? We can't do it all. We have to pick our battles. Mm. And in most organizations and most people's lives, they're kind of crappy at saying no. You know, they're like, oh, I'll kind of say yes. Oh, I'll kind of add it on. I mean, the number of people I've talked to who go, yeah, I've got 98 key priorities for this week. I'm like, you know, that's delusional. That's not a priority. That's just a list of to-dos now. And gosh, I wish I could claim that I had you know, no to-dos and a clear strategic, only these three things. But that's what I work on. That's why Mm -hmm. these questions are so powerful, where I go, okay, and this is the question. It's like, if you're saying yes to this, what must you say no to? So two parts of that is, what are you really saying yes to? What are you fully committed to? And if that's the case, what must you say no to? 
to make that a really legitimate, powerful, credible choice. Oh, lovely. Thank you. It's like each of these, it's so funny. I want to kind of sit with for, for minutes at a time, but right. uh, I'll do that later. That's why we're recording it. <laughs> well, well, here's a, actually what I love about what you're saying here is that, you know, I know there's a bunch of people listening in and they may be having the same reaction to you, which is, Oh, I like that question. Oh, I like that question. Oh, I like this question. <laughs> and that's awesome. I want you to like as many of these questions as possible, obviously, but the book is called the coaching habit. And the first chapter is actually built around how do you build new habits? How do you change your behavior? And the problem with many books and training companies, courses and the like is that they may be full of interesting content, but what's different at the end of that? And that's why we lead with this whole formula and information about how to build a habit. And one of the key insights around that is this. If you are going to, if you really like some of these questions, why not pick one of them and work to make one of those questions part of your repertoire? Don't pick three or five or seven. Pick one and go, this, I'm going to master this question. I'm going to kick its butt. Okay. And then you've got a better chance of actually building it into your repertoire, of actually making it part of the behavior change, and that becomes more powerful for you. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you. It's so, <laughs> well, it's funny. I want to get a full picture of the menu before I select. So could you uh -huh. maybe tell us about uh, the focus question? It really stems from this insight that in many organizations, probably in life as well, people are working really hard to solve the wrong challenges because they get seduced into thinking that the first challenge that shows up is the real challenge. Hmm. So right back to where we started this conversation, I go, what's on your mind? You're like, how do I get the good stuff out in this, in this podcast? And it's so easy to go, oh, okay, that's it. That's the thing we need to be working on. Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work around that. But if I go, what else is a challenge for you? And what else is a challenge? Okay, and here comes the focus challenge, um, the focus question. So what's the real challenge here for you? And what you're going to find is starting with the good content is the starting point. But if we get into what's so out of all of that, what's the real challenge here for you? you're going to find that the, the, the focus has shifted a little bit. And who knows what it is for Peter? I mean, it could be, you know, my real challenge is that after my call as a guest, everybody's going to seem boring and <laughs> could be that, you know, or my real problem is I don't know how to interrupt boring guests like Michael so that we can get to the real stuff when they're delivering so much kind of humdrum content that it's really, I want to edit it out or it could be anything, but, what happens is often what's the real challenge here for you is it swings the spotlight onto the person who you're having the conversation with. So it's no longer Pete talking about his podcast. It's Pete talking about where Pete's struggles are with the podcast or whatever it is that he's working on. And it becomes a more powerful conversation because of that. No, I hear you. You're getting at, you know, what is having an engaging, useful interview kind of about like like sort of why does that matter how is that situated in, mm. in the broader scheme exactly yeah i hear you and how about the foundation question for me this is the hardest question to answer easy to ask hard to answer and the question is what do you want or you can turn this in yourself what do i want and what's interesting is that when you get clear on what you want everything becomes easier because the path forward and things that aren't the path forward become that much more obvious. But it's a really hard question to answer. So, you know, 
for instance, you know, at Box of Crayons, we're just in this interesting transition phase where we're growing a bit, uh, we're, we're expanding our footprint about where we do work in the world, and that's all very exciting. But the question I keep sitting with and asking myself is, so what do I want here? What do I want in terms of what I, role I want to play at Box of Crayons, what role I play as its leader and its founder? And it's hard. You know, I haven't got an easy answer to that yet. It's hard, but it's really useful to wrestle with that. So I think that's how the foundation question can help everybody, which is like, if you're feeling confused or it feels like a pivot moment or things are changing or you feel a bit discombobulated, ask yourself, what do I want here? What do I really want? And you'll find that sitting with that and finding an answer will open up new insights. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. And to wrap it up, what's the learning question about? Good. So... One of my favorite definitions of what coaching is comes from a guy called John Whitmore. He's an older dude in the UK. One, he wrote a book called uh, Coaching for Performance, which is really one of the foundation textbooks on coaching. And what John says is coaching is helping people to learn rather than teaching them. To do this, you have to understand how people learn. And just as I said before, people don't learn when you tell them stuff. And they don't even learn when you do stuff. They learn when they have a moment to reflect on what just happened. So the learning question is, at the end of a conversation, you ask, what was most useful or maybe what was most valuable here for you? So to the Mm -hmm. people listening to this webinar right now, you know, you reflect back on the conversation so far. We've been talking, what, 30 minutes or so. What's been most useful or most valuable here for you so far? And, you know, take the time to actually write it down. Pete, let me ask you, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, but what's been most useful or most valuable for you? Well, I think what's on your mind is just feels so, that feels like I can really do that like right away mm-hmm. because it feels like sometimes I think that you know, I have to have some brilliantly insightful Plato's dialogues type question <laughs> right. to, to really get things going. But but no, what's on your mind will will get us in the groove pretty quickly. And so I'm looking forward to just getting that going. So what's happened with you know, Pete's 38 previous guests is he's already forgotten almost everything that they've, they've told him. As interesting as those conversations were, it's come in one ear, it's gone out the other. What's going to happen, because I've asked Pete what's been most useful or most valuable so far, I've really increased the odds that this question, what's on your mind, is going to be remembered and practiced and used by Pete because I've created that aha moment for him. And for everybody who's listening in, you know, you wrote down what was most useful and most valuable for you, or at the least you kind of identified it in your own mind's eye. It just means that there's a better chance of it sticking with you, that you'll actually learn from it, that you'll actually change your behavior as a result of that. So that becomes a very easy question that you can add to your own repertoire as well. Oh, that's so good. And I'm glad, I'm just thinking, I, I just kicked off another round of uh, training, uh, doing my Enhanced Thinking and Collaboration program, which runs for 10 weeks. And and that is one of the little homework pieces is after every module they submit, you know, what did you find most useful and how do you intend to do something about it? So I'm that's, glad I'm using some best practice material without even knowing it. Yeah. And the build in all of that would be um, to be thinking about as you teach, don't just ask them at the very end what was most useful and most valuable, but ask them every 20 minutes or every 40 mm. minutes or every hour as you go through the module. Okay, so in the last hour, we've covered a lot. Out of everything we did cover, what's been most useful or most valuable for you so far? So really help them 
on a regular basis stop and reflect on what's just happened. Oh, that's handy. I think that is going to get in there. Thank you. That's fun. Always learning. Well, so so tell me, Michael, is there anything else you want to make sure you put out there before we shift gears into the fast faves? Hmm. No, I think, you know what, we've covered a lot. So I think, you know, one of my mottos is, what's the least I could teach that would be the most useful for people? Because, you know, I could keep coming up with more content and more stuff to apply. But honestly, if people have heard those questions, maybe if they picked a favorite question, maybe if they're thinking about how do I turn that into a habit, maybe if they've identified what's already most useful for them, there's already some good stuff landed there. So let's not muddy the water. Let's just go with that. Okay, onward then. So can you start us off by sharing what's a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? I'll give you one from Pema Chodron. Uh, so Pema Chodron, uh, a Buddhist monk, American, she says, since death is certain and the time of death is uncertain, what's the most important thing right now? And I love that. It's just one of those, it's like, what do you want? It's like, what, you know, I could die in three minutes time. And it is certain that I will die. So if I'm going to stay alive, how do I stay focused on the most important thing? You know, I went through this exercise some years ago where I actually took a guy called Kevin Kelly inspired me to do this, kind of figured out using actuarial tables and the like, what my statistical date of death is. Mm -hmm. And my statistical date of death is September the 15th, 2043. So what does that mean? I've got another 27 years left on this planet. 27 years. Kevin Kelly says, you know, it's about five years per major project that you work on. So what that means is I've got five new major things that I get done in my lifetime left. So what are they going to be? And hadn't I better get on with that? So that quote and that uh, death date really helps me kind of stay focused as best I can. Oh, that is powerful. How about a favorite tool, whether it's a, a piece of hardware or software or framework that you use to be more awesome? <laughs> you know, I'm going to say that I think one of my favorite tools is the coffee tamp I have to make an espresso in the morning. <laughs> so we have an old-fashioned espresso machine, not one of these pod things, but you, know, you grind your coffee, it goes into the little thing. And then how you push the coffee down really makes the difference between a good coffee and a, and a mediocre espresso. <laughs> I love espresso. So for me... There's something thoughtful and weighty about that. <laughs> but if you're not a coffee drinker, I'm going to say one other thing, which is, this is an app. Uh, there's an app called Enso, E-N-S-O, and it's a great little meditation clock. And my goal is I try and, one of the habits I'm trying to build and stick with is, is meditating a little bit in the morning. Right. And at the moment, I'm trying to meditate for eight minutes every morning. And I love this as a little meditation chime timer as a way of trying to sit on a cushion and meditate a bit. Oh, that's good. That's good. Dan Harris in episode 44 really made quite the case for meditation that's uh, stuck with me as well. I've been trying to work uh, some of that. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you know anything about meditation, you go, this is as close to a silver bullet as you can get to make you happier, to make you more focused, to make you less stressed. It's just it's like if you can sit down and do it, and it's much harder than you'd think, it's simple, but it's difficult. It's a bit like coaching. But if you can do it, it's going to improve your life. It just is. Okay. And how about a favorite sort of resonance nugget, something that you share and that gets people tweeting it at events or a Kindle book highlighting it 
in the digital version of your books. What's something that really seems to connect with people that you teach? One of my other books that has done well is called Do More Great Work. It came out in about five or six years ago. And its basic premise is, look, there's three types of work you can do in this world. And why work, I mean everything. It's either bad work, waste of time, life-sucking stuff. It's either good work, which is, you know, broadly your job description, or it's great work. Um, and great work is the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. And the thing that resonates, because I talk about it in both the Coaching Habit book, the new one, and Do More Great Work, takes us back to the strategic question, which is this, and the, and the kind of the nugget would be, your yes has no meaning unless it comes with the no that gives, gives it shape and form. So you've got to do the work to figure out what the no is to make the yes real. Mm, thank you. And what would you say is the best way to find you if folks want to learn more about what you're up to? Where would you point them? Well, there's two places I can point. Uh, if you're interested in the book, uh, and you don't have to even be interested in the book, you just might be interested in getting some of the, a ton of free resources around the book. Thecoachinghabit.com is a good place to go. There's free videos, there's free downloads, there's all sorts of stuff there. So uh, check that out if you're curious about the book. I'll ask a favor, though. If you do happen to get hold of the book, and there's honestly no obligation to do that, obviously enough, and you do actually read the book, you know, which is a bonus, and you're so moved, I would love it if you'd consider actually writing a review on Amazon. Partly it's great feedback for me. Partly my audacious goal is by March the 1st, 2017, to have a 1,000 reviews on Amazon because that's one of the marks, the hallmarks of what a classic book is. And I'm, I really want this book to be considered a classic. Mm. So there's my, my call to action request, if you like. If you're interested more about our coaching programs and how they work in organizations, boxofcrayons.biz, B-I-Z or B-I-Z, depending on which side of the border you want to live. You can find out all sorts of stuff there as well. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. And, and would be there be a favorite challenge or parting call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? So, what? yeah, one of the key tools that we take from Do More Great Work is this idea of defining your great work project. So our basic assumption is at the moment, everybody's got too much good work. You know, it's the job description and not enough great work. It's the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. And one of the greatest tools to bring the focus and the courage and the resilience you need to do more great work is by defining what your great work project is. So a project has a start and it has a finish. It's like, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to pour my energy, my focus, my enthusiasm, my, my reserves of relationship and intellect and finance into making this thing happen. So if you want to make your job awesome, which I equate to going, how do you get to do more great work in your job? I think defining what your great work project might be. So instead of pushing forward a thousand little peanuts one at a time, you say, this is it. When my boss gets into the elevator with me and she says, what are you working on? This is what I'm going to tell them because this is the work that makes the difference, has the impact and has meaning for me. So mm -hmm. defining that I think could be really powerful. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Michael, this has been so much fun. I wish you lots and lots of luck with the coaching habit and get to a thousand reviews and, and everything else you're up to here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me along today, Pete. All right. Seven powerful questions. And what else? And what else? Great stuff. So once again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F55. 
5. And if you haven't already, please punch the subscribe button because you're not going to want to miss our next guest, Rita Emmett, who talks about taking the sting out of procrastination. So, see you then. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Oh, 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 o